Today is the 8th day of January. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. And uh, of course, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. We are past the week threshold. Of course, we're in the middle of a week, but we're a full week now into this year. And we're sailing strong and uh, out into the deep. And we we should be all getting kind of moved in and understanding what's going on. And about another another week and we'll be like locked in and sailing strong uh, with our daily rhythm in the Bible and in the year. So let's uh, let's go ahead and take that next step. We're reading from the New International Version this week. And we're working our way through the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And today we'll read chapter 18, verse 16 through 19, verse 38. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous people is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, What if only forty are found there? He said, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? He said, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. 
Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them making bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called a lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Salat went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. 
Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, Very well. I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus, he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day, the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. Matthew 6, 25-7-14 Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? 
And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Psalm 8 For the director of music, according to Gittith, a psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, 
How majestic is your name in all the earth? You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Proverbs 2, 6-15 For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Okay, so there's so much to talk about uh, in our reading today, and, and that's the case often where it's like, wow, that was one day's reading, but wow, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there for me to con contemplate and consider. So in the book of Genesis today, first book of the Bible, we have finally reached a point where we enter into a story and we're like, wait, wait, what is going on here? Um, we have cities being destroyed we have daughters having sex with their father. And this is the first book of the Bible, and I'm halfway through it, and what is going on. And this is a good time to point out the fact that we will encounter stories in the Bible this year that will make you scratch your head and say, what is going on here? And what you need to notice, what you need to notice when we encounter those stories, is the subtle judgment that comes up in our heart toward God. That might sound odd, but it's what happens. Especially if we're on our first trip through the whole Bible. Like, if this is the first time we're going, like, where we've made a commitment, we're like, okay, I've placed my faith in this, in this book. 
uh, but I've never read it, and now I'm going to read every word, and now I'm going to under, you know, understand what's in this book. We begin to realize that if we've never been on the trip, on the journey through the Bible, that we have sort of these um, prejudices. We think that there is an angry God who's vengeful and wants to smite humanity, and we need to meet him and find out how to fear him properly, and then we have a dichotomy. We have Jesus... Uh, showing a, 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 another way of actually being in the world altogether, and we're trying to mash those together because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, these are the same being. And so how does this all equate? And so we get this angry God thing going on, and we fear the Lord uh, because he's going to be so so angry. And so this is the first time today we come up against one of those notions. We see a story in the Bible that just it rings all the wrong bells. So uh, let's just go back and look through the story real quick and uh, try to find the place where it is that our hearts have turned toward judgment uh, at God. Or maybe we're, we're looking at a story that then tells us something completely different. So let's begin with the fact that God comes to meet the person that he's in covenant with, Abraham. And they have this meal and then, and then God is leaving to go see what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah down in the valley. And God stops, according to the story in Genesis, and thinks to himself, should I keep this from Abraham? Should I keep this from the one that I'm in covenant with? And he decides that he shouldn't keep it from the one that he's in covenant with, and so he tells Abraham what his intentions are. And then what do we see? A man, a human being, Abraham, approaches God the creator of all things, the all-powerful one, and begins a negotiation, right? Would you go down there and wipe that city, those cities out if there are 50 righteous people? And the Lord reveals his heart. No, I wouldn't do that. Well, how about 45? No, I wouldn't do that. How about 40? How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? And we see that God is revealing his heart in the story because this is where God is speaking for himself in the story. I'm not about the business of destroying people. I'm about the business of eradicating evil and wickedness. And as the story progresses, uh, we get a sense of the wickedness that, uh, that he's talking about. I think that like, no matter what else we might say, that we would probably all agree that if you're going into a village and, uh, and the outcome is that you are going to be gang-raped by the men of the city, that that's, you know, like, that's, that's evil. And so we just read the story, so we know how, we know how the story goes, and we have this, you know, lot um, trying to protect the angels who he, he knows are um, beings sent from God. Uh, but the only thing that he feels like he can barter with is to throw his virgin daughters out the door and uh, let them endure the gang rape. Which makes you go, hold on a second. <laughs> when in the world is something like this doing in the Bible? Like, this isn't the right way to live. Why would Lot do something like that? And then the story goes on, right? The girls, as it turns out, are betrothed. They're engaged to be married. And so uh, Lot's trying to get everyone that is connected to him out of the city. But the guys, they won't go. They don't believe him. They think he's joking. And so it ends up that Lot and his wife and his two daughters are the only ones that escape the city. And they're running. And then, uh, of course, uh, 
the story's famous. So Lot's wife looks back. She's turned into a pillar of salt. And so there's only Lot and his two daughters who are fleeing for their lives. And everything that they had, all of their possessions, all of their wealth, all of their standing, everything is wiped from the face of the earth along with their home and everyone that they knew. So they are completely on their own in this valley and they end up in a cave in the mountains, right? And we know the story. The two daughters decide that the best course of, uh, of action is to have sex with dad and see if they can get pregnant. So it's a pretty disturbing story <laughs> that uh, we can go, why is this in the Bible? And, uh, you know, where is God in all of this? Well, God was in the beginning of the story speaking to Abraham telling Abraham that he wasn't going down to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy uh, righteous people. In fact, had there been 10 righteous people, the story wouldn't be in the, like the, the, the destruction wouldn't have happened. And so it was, there weren't. The people who could maybe be considered righteous, Lot and his two daughters and his wife, they got out. Uh, of course, uh, uh, mom isn't there anymore and so the daughters are thinking what are we supposed to do and if if we kind of get contextual here we can understand the dilemma that they were in this family that had been reduced to uh, poverty like everything was destroyed they were foreigners these two daughters were foreigners and Lot was the only uh, only family member that could protect them especially in the culture of that time And uh, he's getting older, so uh, there's no one for them. And if uh, Lot were to perish, and they were obviously in a pretty precarious situation, they had lost everything and were hiding in a cave in the mountains, so things were pretty bad. And so they're thinking to themselves, "This this isn't the desirable choice, this is the only choice. We need another male heir. We need someone that can speak for us and can have property. And yeah, we can get into patriarchy. We can get into all that stuff. But why don't we just say this is what was going on then. This is how they understood the world to be. This is how it was to live at this time in the book of Genesis, which is a long time ago. And so uh, the outlook for the daughters was to either have a male heir uh, somewhere Or what was going to happen is their father would be killed or would die and they would be uh, taken and uh, probably live a life of prostitution. Uh, So they did what they did. And uh, yeah, we, we can look at what they did and say, you know, that's just, that's not how it's supposed to go. And yes, it's not. But we need to look at a story like this and say, why am I judging God about this story? Why am I saying, ah, there, I told you, see, this kind of stuff is in the Bible. I mean, when Lot fled and only had his daughters, why didn't they finish climbing up the mountain that they were hiding in to get to the top where their uncle, Abraham, was living? Why didn't they go back to the family that they had? We don't have the answer to that question. But why would we blame God for the choices that they made? Remember back earlier in the story when Lot and Abraham got together because they had grown too wealthy to stay together? 
And everybody was kind of fighting, and so they decided to part ways uh, so that there would be room enough for them both. It was Lot who picked what he thought was the best option for himself. He picked the best of the land and went and lived in it. And this is what happened. Why is it God's fault? Was God anything but a redeemer in this story? He told Abraham what he was going to do, and then he went and did it. And why would Abraham being uh, why would Abraham ask these questions of the Lord if not to protect his own family? So what God did was go down into the midst of this debauchery and rescue Abraham's family and get them out. What we don't see in the story is how that they they fell down and worshipped the Lord and asked for counsel on what to do and were led on the path that they should go, right? They went their own way, and what happened, happened. Which uh, brings us to a little touchy point where we're going to have to realize as we continue to take this journey that it is absolutely going to touch all of the soft spots of our lives. And this is a good time to realize how much blame we place on God for things that He hasn't done. It's incredible, the trash heap of things that we throw upon the Lord that he had nothing to do with. And we can say he is sovereign and he knows all and so he could like preempt things. And yet, there was that story back at the very, very beginning, the second day together, where Adam and Eve are in the garden, staring at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And they were instructed not to eat from it. And then they did. And they were allowed to make that choice. And that choice was allowed to matter. We are each created in the image of God. And God is a creator. And he creates things. And because we are created in his image and it is hardwired into who we are, So do we. And every day we are writing that story and creating what our destiny is going to look like. We get to make choices and they get to matter. And this story that we've just read in the book of Genesis uh, shows us once again this reality. Not everything is God's fault. And when we just throw everything that we get ourselves into on to God like it's his fault, then how is it that we can have a trusting, loving relationship with him? How is it that we will walk through this year with a God that we do not trust and do not know? On the other hand, we zoom forward into the book of Matthew and we have Jesus, who is God in the flesh, here in a relatable way that we can understand, speaking the heart of God to us, by inviting us to understand specific realities that all of the worry and the chaos and the stress we carry around with us is not going to get us anywhere. In fact, Jesus is bold enough to say, I'm telling you not to worry about your life. Uh, The choices that you got to make about eating and drinking and what you're going to wear, there's way more going on. It's a bigger story. And can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. And we could stop right there and say, okay, okay, <laughs> enough for today. There's a lot going on, but 
Jesus isn't done. He's saying, look, the way to do this right is to not estrange yourself from the Father. What you need to do if you want to do this right is to seek the kingdom of God first and seek his righteousness. And then everything else that you are trying to arrange for will be given to you. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. What you should worry about, what you should think about, according to Jesus, is how you are judging things. Right? And so we just talked about how we can subtly begin to judge God, but we are doing this constantly to each other. And Jesus has some very clear, very choice words that we need to get into our minds before we get out of, uh, before we get out of sight of shore, right? We're one week into this journey and we're getting absolute pivotal foundational instruction about how to navigate this world and our life upon this earth. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, so get two tablespoons of that and stir that into your coffee and drink that one down because that's a big one. Especially if you are, if you just love to fight on the internet about what every leading Christian may or may not be doing or saying or how they may be conducting their walk. How we judge others is how we are going to be judged. So, if we can't be merciful, we will not experience mercy. If we learn nothing else from the Bible this whole year, which will not be the case, but if we learn nothing else from the Bible this year but this one thing, if we stop living in judgment continually and instead see what is right about a person and what is right about a situation as opposed to only what is wrong and needs to be judged, that'll change our whole year. Right there, that, that one thing right there will change the way we interact with everybody. So there's plenty to think about today, and we could go on. I mean, there's more, but go back and read it again. I mean, there's plenty to meditate on. Jesus leaves us with some thoughts. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find that. So what's it going to be? I, I want the narrow path that leads to life. And I admit, there are times that I feel like I'm walking on that narrow path. And there are others that I feel like I've run down onto the main highway that leads to destruction. And we all probably have those seasons and days. But the path that leads to life is narrow. And there aren't going to be a lot of people on that path. This is, this is from God in the flesh. These are the words of Jesus. And uh, if we're going to live judgmental lives, then we can pretty much be assured about which 
path we are on. Um, how much judgment in your life has ever brought you inner peace and tranquility and a, an overwhelming sense of the presence of the Lord? Right, when you're typing those nasty things on, uh, on social media and being in a war with somebody over some kind of theological point, like some hill to die on, or when you're saying things out of your mouth to people that you love that you shouldn't, that are, that are wounding them. Uh, because you don't like how they've done something and you're judging them. I mean, how, how much, even if you are right and you pound them into mortar on the floor and they are absolutely destroyed because you have a, a powerful vocabulary and you've just, you've just torn them down. What do you get out of that? You leave the room feeling overjoyed. You were right. You got to judge them appropriately and they got what was coming to them. Jesus is saying this is not the way it's done. If we want to navigate humanity like we were intended, then we have to become like Christ. Christ-like. And when we watch Jesus in the Gospels, we need to watch close because this is the example of not only what humans are supposed to be like, but exactly what it is that Jesus offers to us. This is the good news of the gospel, that we can be fully human like Christ, revealing his kingdom on this earth and enter into a relationship with the Father that will never, ever, ever end. And so, Father, you have given us plenty to think about today. Uh, there are on, on a number of levels you have you've touched some things within us and now we are seeing now we are seeing just how deep this can all go and we can already feel you shifting things inside of us and it in some cases is very uncomfortable because we have all the reasons for why we do what we do and yet we are still confronted with the fact that there is a narrow road that leads to life and only a few find it. May we be one of the few, Lord. Come Holy Spirit, we surrender our rights and our wrongs and our judgments and all the things that we are carrying around. We begin to release that and we begin to uh, become aware that what the Bible is going to do is invite us to release a lot of things. And so we start here with judgment. We release our judgments against you. We release our judgments against everyone who has ever wronged us. We begin to move toward a posture of forgiveness. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. It's home base. It's where you find out what's going on around here. We talk, uh, have been talking a little bit each day about different things that are going on around here. And uh, so one thing that I'll mention today is uh, the Daily Audio Bible Transcripts. Um, for many years now, there have been volunteers that have uh, transcribed and posted what, what gets said here on the Daily Audio Bible. And obviously, if you're using the Daily Audio Bible uh, web player or the app, you can favorites an episode so that you can go back and re-listen to, to what was said uh, or even 
write some notes uh, that you want to remember. So that is certainly a way to go back because a lot, I mean, we're going through the whole Bible. So we're trying to unpack a lot of things this year and some of those things we need to remember because they're life-changing things. So that's one way to go back, but the transcripts are in written form what got said. And uh, so there may be a day where you're like, okay, I want to go back and I want to read that. I want to listen to that. I want to read that. I want to consider that a little bit more deeply. So you can get to the Daily Audio Bible transcripts by going to dailyaudiobible.tumblr, that's T-U-M-B-L-R.com. Is uh, kind of a, a blogging platform that makes it easy enough for us to offer this. So dailyaudiobible.tumblr.com. If you can't remember that, just go to dailyaudiobible.com and click uh, the community section. That's like in the navigation at the top. And then click the social media uh, button, which will show you all of the different places where we're, we're on social media so that we can... Well, so you can stay connected, but one of the links is... Uh, is to the transcripts. Uh, So there's a valuable resource for you as we continue this journey. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, you can do that at dailyaudiobible.com. There is a link on the homepage. If uh, you're using the Daily Audio Bible app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996. Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or comment, there are a number of numbers that you can use depending on where you are in the world. If you're in the Americas, 877-942-4253 is the number to dial. If you are in the UK or Europe, 442036 088078 is the number to dial. And if you are in Australia or the lands down under, 613-8820-5459 is the number to dial. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. Hi, family. This is his little Cherie in Canada. Happy New Year. I'm calling with another creative way to pray from the banqueting table of prayer. And this one is one of the most helpful things that I personally do every day. And that's to use a prayer binder. And it simply is a normal binder that I put pages in. Divide it into either five days or seven days, depending on how many you'd like to have. And each day I use as a reminder to pray for certain people. So for instance, I have my binder divided into uh, five days for the five days of the week. And the first day on Monday, I have pictures of people that I'm praying for their salvation. Tuesday are couples that I'm praying for their marriages. Wednesday is family and friends, and Thursday is people in ministry. And it's just a reminder to me to pray for certain people because I think we've all been in the situation where someone has shared a concern or a prayer request with us and we've told them, oh, I'll be praying for you with every intention of praying for them. 
But life happens and we forget. And then the next time we see them, they say, oh, thank you so much for praying. And we smile and nod and realize we haven't prayed for them because we've forgotten. Well, a prayer binder makes sure that that doesn't happen. When you tell someone, I'll be praying for you, you put their picture or even just their name in your prayer binder. And as you go through it day by day, you remember to pray for them. So that has been really helpful for me. And uh, I wanted to let you know about it in case you'd like to try it this year. Prayer binders, a creative way to pray from the banqueting table of prayer. Thank you, family. Bye for now. Hi, everybody. This is Tony the Painter. Uh, really, really happy to be starting this new year with you all. Um, Brian, I just want to take this opportunity to say that we love you too. Uh, and thank you for doing what you're doing. In China, too, I've started listening to Chronological. And congratulations on uh, your engagement. That's awesome news. Also today, Diane Olive Brown, we love you so much. You have no idea. And your message from Christmas Day brought, uh, I actually flapped my hands. I'm embarrassed, but it's true. Uh, You know, I was like, oh, you sound so happy. Um, So, yeah, just so that you're still praying for you. Um, Also, Prodigal. um, Yeah, bro. Um... I've recently gone through divorce this year and I've been suicidal myself. Uh, I love you. I empathize with you. I understand what some of what you're going through. Uh, and I just want to just let you know that I'm praying for you and that we are all praying for you um, in this time. Uh, and everybody is bringing over baggage from last year. Uh, and that's fine. But I noticed in everybody's voice who was speaking today on the 2nd of January, everybody is that little bit hopeful. You know, so we're going to maintain this year. We're going to, I mean, that's my job is maintenance. Uh, so I go and I repair stuff. Uh, so, yeah, just just keeping that, uh, letting you all know that I'm praying for you all. Uh, you all have my love, and God bless you. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Tito Ramirez calling from Southern California. I want to reach out to Prodigal. You know, I I feel your pain so much because um, my life mirrors so much of what you're going through. You know, I've been through a divorce, and, and um, business has just been terrible. It's been so tough, and I've fallen behind on so many important things, taxes and child support and trying to get health insurance for the kids, and trying to make sure we have money to eat and just pay rent. And it's just so, so stressful. And it feels like just a gigantic failure. And you just, I never thought it could happen to me because I'm an educated individual. I should have a good job. Like this shouldn't be happening, but I just keep trusting in the Lord and prodigal. I'm reaching out to you because I need you. I need somebody that's going to be praying that's in the same space that I'm in and I can't afford to lose somebody like that and I'm going to pray for you and you pray for me and uh, the Lord's going to do wonderful things in our lives for us. I look in in Romans, in Romans 7 and in Romans 8, I, I look about how sin trips us up and I look about us just trusting in the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit changing us and I look in in Proverbs 3 
and it gives me so much hope, you know, that these old dry bones, these messed up bones would would come back to life, you know, and I look in in Psalms 51 when things don't go right or when I feel like I've made a mistake again or when I feel like I've blown it again and I, I look at David crying out to the Lord and I think, you know, I did something, but it wasn't what he did. I mean, what he did was so much worse, but I use that Psalm 51 as a prayer of confession sometimes and I, I, I love in that Psalm when David asked for a new clean heart and um, that's something that I can't do for myself and, and it and it mirrors so much what is being spoken about in Romans that we can't we can't try to change ourselves and do it. God has to do it for us. Um, Happy New Year, Daily Audio Bible. This is Isabel from Australia in Melbourne. Just wanted to wish you all a happy new year. May God's blessing be upon you and your family. Um, just wanted to wish um, China and Ben a, and a happy engagement and um, congratulations to the Harden family. Well, the new addition in the family is soon to be married. I'm so happy for you guys. May this year be a year of blessing to all of you. Thank you, Brian, once again for all the amazing, you know, readings of the Word and just for your teaching on the Word of God. And just thank you. I'm growing a lot through it, and I know that all of us are too in the Daily Audio Bible. And just wanted to say hello to all the family. It just may this year be a year of blessing to all of you. Um, please call in and just say hello and, and, and love to hear from all of you. Blessings. Love you all. Bye.